to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at bat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who are, I don't know, piled high with veggies. What's up, Chuck and Gene? <laughs> is that a $5 foot long reference? Or yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It used to be uh, any, 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 but now it's piled high with veggies. It changed the lyric. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Another frustrating thing about tonight is the NHL has exactly three commercials. <laughs> I think you would expand to that in the second round. Um, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. <laughs> I'm cranky. Gene. <laughs> this is Gene Zilek. You can find me uh, at Producer Gene. I was not active on Twitter tonight, mostly for my own mental health. Uh, and, uh, Honestly, the, I think maybe I, I should have known things were going to go bad when I spent the first eight minutes trying to find a local feed of the game so I didn't have to listen to the goddamn national broadcasters, um, and I couldn't find it. So I was already, like, right off the bat irritated. <laughs> no, yeah, you got Mikey Miss Mikey Miss replay tonight, right, on Comcast? <sighs> yeah, so forget about anybody talking about hockey on that. <laughs> and there's no more regional broadcasts you know from second round oh, off it is yep it is all national team all the time but hey uh we got it was practically a home game we had what boosh and and jonesy so yeah it's that, just uh, it's, it's it just sucks when you have to hear them like between gritted teeth be like yeah the Cal- uh, islanders are playing really well <laughs> uh so you know we just we just finished watching the the flyers just get thoroughly dominated in every aspect of the game and go down for nothing in game one uh in the second round of the, of the stanley cup playoffs to the new york islanders and chuck i'm gonna challenge you here um mm-hmm. my only takeaway from this game my only positive takeaway from this game is that it only counts as one game. Can you um, build on that and give me another positive thing to take away from this game? Yeah, I, I can give you several, actually. Um, the the first thing is it, none of us expected this to be easy. So we talked about this on our previous podcast, which was recorded just last night when we thought a Raw Nerve episode would be a good idea. Um <laughs> But none of us thought it'd be easy. And like I really said, series going seven games, ah, Flyers going to win it. And, you know, I thought in the back of my head, I'm like, ah, it might come down to the first game. But I talked myself out of that. And I'll, I'll touch on that in a moment. Why you, let's not overvalue one game, even though it's the first game too much. The... You know, you mentioned thorough domination. I think of that 5 nothing uh, Canadians win over the Flyers as thorough domination. This was... The Islanders were just a little bit better at everything. And it started in the first period where the Flyers just could not get set up in their zone, the, the offensive zone, and... It was just little things getting them down. It wasn't like they were inept. It wasn't like, oh, man, we don't know how to defeat the Islanders. It's like, ugh, that pass is slightly behind them. Now it's broken up. Now they're going the other way. 
the why the fuck couldn't you hold the board and keep that puck in and extend the time? Uh, you know, credit where credit's due. The Islanders did not make anything easy. Um, they they were sharp, whereas the Flyers were sloppy in the first. I don't think Varlamov is as good as he's playing right now, but you can only hold on to that so much because lesser goalies have gone on more impressive runs. So it might be like, oh, Var- Varlamov isn't that good, and he shuts us out four straight games, and then the wheels go off next series. That doesn't well, do anything for us. That's why I was really hoping. I was really hoping we would break through it. So even once the game was essentially out of hand and, and you know, really it was just mop-up time. I would have really liked to seen us break through and end this, you know, minutes shutout streak. Yeah, I agree. I kind of think AV agreed with you. He pulled the Dave DiIurio. You know, we're jumping to the I end of the it. game. Yeah, it was. And Dave has advocated for, for this forever. Um, Occasionally on the podcast, but especially if you've been to a game with Dave, he's got, it's like the beginning of the third period. The Flyers are down by two. He's like, I'd pull the goalie here. The first power play, it's I'd pull the goalie here. And I think AV had done it in such a way that, you know, I didn't see that that heart got pulled. The broadcast well, they didn't call it out. I don't think anyone was was looking for that or even noticed it. And in my defense, two things. One that was possibly one of the most fucked up open net goals I've ever seen. Oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say that was this should not defeat your argument because that was the one of the most flu- like the only thing I've seen that's I've seen that's flukier came off of Ron Hextall's stick twice. I mean, honestly, it was like the puck was rolling along the boards and then just suddenly, zoop went right uh, right over to the goal. And two, had they converted on that at some point it would have you know left you enough time to actually do something you know and and later on in the game they had a power play you know where you could have maybe potentially done it again yeah um but it, it was frustrating to me that the like overall i don't know if the teams were playing a much cleaner game or refs were calling uh, or you know just giving players much more leash uh, I don't know which one it is. Maybe you can steer me on that. But the the lack of you know special teams in this game was kind of like you know, I'm, I'm not used to seeing so few opportunities. Yeah, especially in the the fir- first and the second. Um, it, it's um, it it's distracting because it's not uncommon for the playoffs to be called this way, but this playoffs with the round between the round robin and the qualifying series and um, the the first round, the refs were calling everything. And now round two starts, whistles go away. You know, it's like turning to the umpire going, like, are you going to call a consistent game here? Like, we, we were functioning under the idea that you can't get away with certain shit. And that definitely hurt the Flyers in the first two periods because – there was a lot more obstruction coming from the Islanders in that first, you know, they put a body on somebody, they do a little hole, do a little hook. Um, so if that's the way this series is going to call, be called, it's going to hurt the flyers, but at least they'll know, you know, at least they'll know to, Hey, make it a little harder on the Islanders, you know, the same way they made it hard on us. 
Do you do you think that this sort of ultimately comes down to the fact that if the Islanders get the first goal, they're going to go into uh, essentially this, I don't want to call it a trap, but it certainly seems like they sort of um, fell back into a sort of uh, heavily physical and defensive mindset. I mean, this is a team that put up four goals, but I, I mean, honestly, this was a very tight game through two periods. Uh, it was one nothing at the end of two. Um, do you think that basically the Flyers need to come out with just, uh, you know, a hair on fire sort of we have to get the first goal first period? They came out slow and sloppy in the first period. I think everybody uh, could see that. I, I think that was very obvious that they seemed like they just couldn't get their passes uh, completed and it, it put them behind the eight ball very early. Um, you know, is it is it going to be paramount on Wednesday afternoon that they come out and get the first goal and sort of not have to be chasing the game because that's that's playing right into the Islander strategy. Kind of. The the one thing I would say like I don't want to see is come out playing like with their hair on fire. I the the sloppiness bothered me and I don't know if the team is just not gelling right now. You know, the Islanders did get that qualifying you know, play play in series or whatever. But I don't know. By game two of the second round, that really shouldn't be an excuse anymore. It's it, it's just not clicking as well as it could for the Flyers, especially in that first period. I want to see him play the calm game because a lot of times tonight it felt like Flyers hockey. It felt it felt like okay, we started a little slow. Once we get a little bit of space, we can capitalize on it. We can take advantage of these plays. And if Varlamov was not playing the best hockey of his career um, or up there with the best hockey of his career in the second period, I think it's going to be, would be a very different game. I think it might just come down to make certain you're not down by the start of the third. I don't think they're going to, you know, trap the hell out of you the the whole game. But once it became two nothing, it got a lot harder for the Flyers. You know, if it, it was uh, still doable. If if Claude Giroux does not score in game two, should he immediately be stripped of the captaincy? Um <laughs> well um because the I Twitter not- heat is out there. I did not know that. Um, I, I did not know that you have a show on WIP, Dave. Um, <laughs> congratulations on that. No, it's. It, I think as as long as he's not like choking away goals, we don't have a problem just yet. Um, it's because he's not connecting. Watch connecting tonight. I mean, Jones even called it out of he he missed something and then threw his head up to the sky, you know. And I've seen that out of connecting maybe season before last, where he felt snake bit and oh, he tried to break his stick. What earlier in the Montreal season uh, series, connecting needs a goal and he needs one bad. Like well, the, I mean, it, look, the the play that you're talking about, he shot he made a shot from 
uh, you know, I don't, the slot, you know, basically, so, yeah. and it was point blank. There was no, no obstruction and the goalie saved it. Like, I don't know how frustrated you could get by that. It's just kind of like playing catch at that point. Yeah, I mean, there was there was no way that Varlamov didn't see it the whole way. And Varlamov is having the kind of game where you know it's like he's been possessed by the spirit of Patrick Waugh or something. I don't. I, I have no idea. You know, this guy was not what I would call a household name, but if you watched him play tonight, you'd think that. Um, you know, you'd think that Carey Price was a was a kindergartner. You know, but it would be nice to get Konechny going. Yeah, but I'm more concerned about Konechny because um, it's not like, oh, that should have been a goal. Konechny's smart enough not to take that shot. You know, if he has something Varlamov's going to have lined up all the way, he should do a move. He should look for a pass. But right now, they're they're not making the right calls right there. You know who's another one? One of my favorite players on the team, Couturier, is making bad decisions too. And, you know, if uh, I think he has more points than Giroux or right around it. I think Giroux has four points, all of them assists. But can uh, Couturier had a, had a atypically bad game for him. Just, just poor decisions, not – not passing when he should, not not shooting when he should, turning over the puck. So they concern me more than G. But I've watched Claude Giroux's entire career. I know that if this goes another game or two, he's going to be doing the same damn thing. He's going to be taking softball shots from the point. The goalie makes a simple save, and he's going to go, oh, I can't score. And if that happens, we're, we're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, my concern is we're we're really relying a lot right now on kind of unreliable guys, like and like players that have potential, high ceilings, but they're just young and erratic, and and the play is like a little sloppy, um, you know. So unless these veterans start to lock it down a little bit, uh, you know, I I get nervous that this could be like touch and go game to game. I think it's going to be touch and go game to game until until all all parts start clicking. And I don't know if that's going to happen in this Islander series. I'm not saying that we're not we, we can't win, but I'm saying that, you know, Voracek really established that, hey, Voracek seems to be in, in his groove. And if the the all star players, the the top line, top tier players do that as well. We'll be in really good. Uh, we'll be in really good shape. But the Flyers' strength has been their depth. So you know, if it's a different person stepping up every night to do it, that's okay, as long as it keeps happening. And I mean, is there cause for concern after this game? Yeah, of course. But this shouldn't be totally unforeseen. This shouldn't be. Uh, this shouldn't be a shock to anybody. It sucks. I didn't want it to happen, but I feel I'm less concerned after this loss than that five zero loss to to Montreal. I'll put it okay. that. One of the, one of the things well, that I that I I took note of was it doesn't seem like you know having watched a you know a lot, some of these other games certainly in the Montreal series it doesn't seem like there's that obvious mitch, mismatch line with the Islanders and I think we talked about this last night or. Um, 
th- that they're you know they're a, a deeper team as well. Uh, maybe not as as heavily stacked at the top, but you're not going to have that obvious mismatch where whichever line is getting hot, you just sort of try to 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 find your opportunities to get get a line out there to to, to go against their weaker their weaker shift. Um, so I, I took note of that that they they seem fairly consistent and fairly well organized. The Islanders do. Uh, the other thing, I guess, my, my question to you is, uh, we have a back-to-back this week. I think it's, what, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, would you have preferred to be playing again tomorrow afternoon, be right back at it, or are you no. glad that, you you know, we have this day to kind of, you know, part of me feels like this was a mental fatigue sort of thing. There, you know, certainly as the game went on, when they scored that second goal, um, I've never seen a Flyers team so much look like, Oh man, like this, there, this is insurmountable. Um, they just their play just seemed to completely deflate. Um, that that they the, the Islanders got that second goal before they were able to tie it up. Um, you know, it's almost like the third and fourth goals were uh, footnotes to a certain degree. Um, I agree goal, with you, Chuck. No way in hell I'd want to play tomorrow. Yeah. It, to to touch on your point, Gene, to calm down some. To work on the fundamentals, I think, Dave, you brought it up um, uh, before we started recording, that we need Gordon Bombay out there, you know, teaching them how to pass with the uh, the eggs to, um, you know, to work on their passing skills, the soft hands. The What's with all the whiffing? What, what, all the whiffing. So much whiffing. Shots, passes, yeah. clear out. It's always, it's always whiffing. Yeah, especially the first period, and it's just... Phil Myers must have had 10. Yeah, Phil Myers had... I, I haven't been able to to go back and watch some of the highlights, go back and watch the goals, which I normally am able to before we speak. Here, I'll show but... you all the Flyers goals real quick. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. That was very helpful. The dramatic reenactment there. No, but uh, talking about Myers seemed to be a bit more out of position tonight than he has been this whole playoff run. And that's disappointing. Now, the Flyers have not lost back-to-back games since January. And, you know, even though, haha, yeah, we didn't play hockey for five months in there. Still, if this were, you know, May or late April, that's still a very impressive stat. So I'm comfortable that you give AV time. He's going to work with the guys. We're going to come out with a better start and, and have better results. And, you know, that back to back Tuesday into Wednesday, I'm not thrilled about, you know, there it's heart had, you know, heart was on his game. You know, it's he wasn't it, it, without him. You know, the game is out of hand in the first period. So if game two requires Hart to put up the same kind of effort, it's one. It becomes a real tough decision as to keep with the hot hand or give him a damn break, as opposed to hey, you held us in the last two games. You're going to, have to go out and do the same thing again on yeah, short last- turnaround. Yeah, the last three o'clock game is the game we got blown out in. Uh, so what, was that, it? That, yeah, that was yeah. the five zero game. It was. Yeah. So, a- any thought to Elliot getting uh, the game two start? Uh, I 
I be would a, be, be a bit of a cheeky move. It would be a cheeky move. I I would think it would almost be too cheeky. I think I think Barry Trotz has this team coached in such a way that's going to be they're afraid. They're trying a gimmick. You know, they're going to play a better defensive game around Elliott. And then if I were the Islanders in that position, because they do have offensive talent. We've seen it tonight. Just go, everybody goes towards the net. You know, they want to play a heavy defensive game. We're going to play some pond hockey and see how well Elliott holds up, not having played for a while. So I, I like it in principle. Um, well, I mean, I guess I don't. I mean, I like I like it in theory, but I, I don't like the execution of it. Uh, maybe yeah, maybe against maybe, maybe against another team, but I'm not a team that's that's coached this well, and that their strength is their um, sort of organization and their and their calmness. You know, you're not going to rattle a team that you know that seems like that. I don't know. I, I want to say cocky to a certain degree. Um, you know, I mean, it, there, it wasn't like a, a Penguins-esque arrogance that came out of the, the Islanders tonight. Yeah. But but they certainly showed zero intimidation um, playing as the lower seed today. No. And, I mean, I don't think they, they should feel it. They've been really good throughout this playoff series. And I, I want to go back to something talked about before the hockey even returned of, like, oh, you know, they – these teams go out to these really hot starts and it's going to be like a new season. You know, who's done that recently. The, the Islanders under Barry Trotz where it's maybe, maybe the system he coaches, he employs is easier to get up to speed on. So whereas you, if you play something a little more nuanced with a little more offensive, um, you know, very vari- uh, variability, that it takes a bit longer to get to speed, whereas, hey, check them hard, don't give them any room, this is the game we play. All right, maybe you get back on page with that uh, after a long weekend. So this Islanders team is a lot different than the one who was had lost seven of eight games before the pause. You know, the Flyers had, you know, won nine of ten or whatever the case may be. Those numbers are slightly off, but not much. So... Yeah, I do think the Islanders are are feeling comfortable, and you know maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they're gonna go out next game feel a little too comfortable and a quick Voracek goal and you know a shorthanded you know a shorthanded goal. We're due. We are a great shorthanded team. Let's get a shorthanded goal, make it two nothing Flyers, and have it be a whole new series early into the next game. Here's a you know I guess. Earlier, David kind of said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you." But uh, you know, your AV tomorrow morning, Chuck. Um, what, what's, what's, what do you think your your move is? Do you have? Is it a roster move? Is it a, is it a, a strategic move, like a, like a, like a tactical move, or do you just say to everybody, "Hey, let's just do exactly what we talked about and just clean it up." Um. I think definitely a roster move. Get JVR back in the game. You know, it's, um, you know, Albe Kubel didn't stand out for for any any reason. Um, but get 
uh, JVR back in the game. Maybe we can get JVR and Albert Kubel on the line, do something like that. But I think the more so than any of that, it's hammer in. We've got to be, we've got to be tighter. We've got to be the the better team in our consistency. Um, on on Barry Trotz, much like my issue with the two first names. I know it's not spelled exactly that way, but the name that is a sentence also disturbs me a little bit. Barry Trotz. <laughs> Are you thinking like home run trot or like like yeah, run like Barry Trotz, like you, you know, like Ben Folds, like you know, the names that are a complete <laughs> sentence grammatically are a little unsettling to me. Um, you know, who else I don't trust is Brett Brown. Which is kind of anymore, right? <laughs> What's that, Chuck? I, I talked over your question. I said, "Kick a man while he's down." What What was your question, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I I said, "You know who else I don't trust is Brett Brown." Yeah, which is good because I don't have to trust him anymore. Not with a process, and and not with a basketball team because. Brett Brown got fired today. Well, I guess he heard that he was in the penalty box and just decided to see himself out. <laughs> uh, I mean, but honestly, things. like, how did that conversation go today? Do you think he showed up with his keys already in his hand and his and his stuff in his box? Do you, do you think there was a conversation? Uh, I mean, this was the I most obvious knew. thing. I mean, the writing was so clearly on the wall. It was just how many days after the end of the season will this thing go on? And, you know, I'm just glad that it was just done swiftly. I I saw a lot of Twitter outrage today about, you know, primarily coming from another podcast. But, uh, you know, is he being scapegoated? Is there, you know, should more, you know, general managers be held accountable and things like that? I don't know. You got to think. So two things. One, everyone was pretty much feeling good going into the season with the roster construction. So no one was like, guys, look at the, you know, we walked into the season with the Phillies. We're like, guys, this bullpen is not, is not a good bullpen. And it's, it's not a good bullpen. No one walked in the Sixers season going, you know, roster construction. I mean, you may say that they're, you know, we're missing shooters, uh, but everyone was feeling good with like backup center now and uh, length on defense and, and talking about all these positives and we got off to such a hot start. So, you know, th- there weren't like all these people calling for GM's heads at the beginning of the season. There were people calling for head coach heads at the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, so I don't really think that it's fair to say this is scapegoating. The other thing that really annoys me is, Really, all you had to do to keep Jimmy Butler was to fire Brett Brown. And you took, and this may be the the accountability from the front office, but you gave that trust to Brett Brown and you passed on, you know, a flirting all-star that was basically, it was your playoff leading scorer last year. So what did we gain from that move? Well, and, and, and Jack shit is what we gained from that. Move. And Jimmy Butler had kind of become sort of the, I, I don't know if you want to call him the brand, but he had be, he had done the thing that we've been waiting for um, 
in, in, in Philadelphia basketball in a while is he was the guy who was willing to say, I'll take the ball, I'll take the shot, let me win the game. Um, you know, right. it's hard to have that be a center. Uh, you can have a center that can dominate the game. I still think that Joel Embiid was the best player in the Celtics series. But we, we saw that you can, to some degree, you know, counter that sort of play. I don't believe that we were f- uh, getting sweep, swept out of the first round bad without Ben Simmons. This was a much deeper-rooted cultural problem. Oh, and, sure. And Messi just lost. No one wanted to fight for him. And And the thing was, you could see... You know, even in their reactions to the losses, you know, this is a guy, you know, this was Joel Embiid coming off the court in Toronto, literally weeping. And you saw none of that sort of knew you knew going into this series that there was no point in playing these games. You knew it. You knew it. You knew in your heart there was no point in playing these games. You didn't want to watch any of these games. You did it just to do it. You didn't really think we were going to win this series at all. Neither did the players. It was pointless. Anyway, so and last thing we want to close on here about this. Rumors about Ty, Ty Lue potentially being the next Sixers coach. Is this a thing that could even happen in this city? Can he come in here after being stepped over by, you know, um, Broad Street's greatest uh, athlete. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. And have a career. I mean, can this even happen? What? Where do? What is this? Is like, this? Is this a cherry on top of twenty twenty? Like, what is going on? <laughs> like night one, you have Allen Iverson is going to come out as a dignitary, and like, will 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 Ty Lue as the head coach of the 76ers literally lay down again? Like, would would that be a thing? Uh, you know, I I assume that there is drawing somewhere in the front office of AI do, have, doing the step over that's going to be constructed uh, somewhere in front of the Wells Fargo Center. You know, and, you, you can't convince and me otherwise. 2021 is the 20th anniversary of that 2001 run. So they're going to do a retrospective and he's going to be in it, not in a good way. Like... <laughs> we all hated him and yeah it's been almost 20 years and i think we can i think we can laugh about it and go oh no it won't be that big an impact but like you said gene i guarantee you there are people with a tattoo of that well you really want like you know to point like hey Anytime you screw up, someone rolls up their sleeve and points to you getting stepped over by AI. Well, that's literally the thing. It's literally called the step over. If you say, hey, the step over, you can see the entire sequence of events play out in your head as if it is happening in real time in front of you. It is one of the most iconic moments in the last 30 years in Philadelphia sports. It totally is- agree. Out of, a, out of a championship run where you're in the finals – and you have two games, two game sevens leading up to those finals. When you think about the 01 Sixers, that is the one single play. Yeah. And now is it the one single play? It was who was this guy? He was no superstar. We laughed because we heard that he was pretending to be AI in uh, Lakers practices. So we're like, that's ridiculous. AI must have heard it too. And this was, you got shown up. 
you got shown up on the the national stage. So honestly, let's just hope the Sixers pick anyone else for that job. Okay, so I guess that's going to do it for our Raw Nerve Game 1. Brett Brown gets canned episode of Potadelphia. We'll be back next week. Uh, typical date and time. If you have more time in your listening week, please check out our sister podcast, The Whip Around. They give you all your weird news, uh, wants, and needs. Uh, if you haven't already, please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, give us five stars. Do all those good things. Help other people find the show. And have a great day at work, everybody. Everybody.